The Flushing Girl from Flushing. The nanny named Fran. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. Uh, Miss Fine. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Oh, Mr. Sheffield, a podcast about the 90s sitcom The Nanny, starring Fran Drescher. And we are here to talk about a very special episode of The <laughs> Nanny. <laughs> I am your host, Shondi Pasquale, here with my host, Toria Sheffield. When I say my host, it makes it sound like I'm crashing <laughs> on your couch. <laughs> which, which you are. I mean, you've lived here for months, and I didn't want to broach this on the podcast, but... Yeah. I feel like well, you need to figure things out. All right, Toria, can you go back in your room and close the door? There's a lot of echo. <laughs> Everybody, that's a bit. Sean doesn't live on my couch. No. Not yet. No, no Victoria um, recently moved, so congratulations. Thank you. Thank you, move. thank you. I actually um, have two big couches, so if you or Liz ever need to leave in a fiery fit of anger. Oh, good. Yeah, you oh, both, that's nice. You both always have a spot. Or if you oh, want to get nice. mad and both end up here, but then make up here unexpectedly, I have two couches. Oh, yeah. If Elizabeth and I ever get into like a knockdown fight, will you parent trap us by offering us both places to stay and then pretending like you didn't realize it was the same weekend and then being like, oops, I got to go out. You have my word. You Thank have you. my word. We'll do Thank, it. You. Thank you. I appreciate it. You're a good friend. Um, all right. So Let's start at the top, ladies and gentlemen. This is an episode, episode two, or no, season two, episode 25. It's called The Chatterbox. This is a very special thing that happens on TV. It generally only happens on TV, although there are some examples of movies that do it. But this episode is called a backdoor pilot episode. What's a backdoor pilot? Well, backdoor pilot is an episode of an existing successful TV series that heavily features supporting characters or guest stars in previously unseen roles. Generally, you'll find that the main characters of the show sort of take a back seat. That's like another tenant of like backdoor pilots. And like all of a sudden we're thrust into this new world and the intent from the creator's point of view, or sometimes the network is to introduce you to all these exciting new characters. And then like, if the episode does really well, then generally you know, a couple weeks later, they'll announce like, hey, good news, we're, we're spinning that show off. So some examples mm-hmm. of that are like, um, like of the, the most successful ones um, would be, you know, uh, uh, Happy Days, this old show Happy Days spun off into this show Mork and Mindy, which was a show starring Robin Williams about an alien. A um, little more modern is there was actually an episode of The Office called The Farm, where they all go to Dwight's farm that he grew up on. And spend like the whole episode with the Schrute family on the farm. That was a failed backdoor pilot. People mm-hmm. did not like it. They were not interested. And the show never went anywhere. Um, the Brady Bunch famously once did an episode called Kelly's Kids. In which we suddenly are not following the Bradys, but a whole new group of children mm-hmm. right next door. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so shows do this kind of thing. It was a <clears throat> very popular sitcom thing to do. Um Facts of Life uh, famously spun off from different strokes. Um, and I'll say this. It's it's different than just a regular spinoff because a spinoff might just take a character – like, for example, Angel is a spinoff of Buffy. He's a character who was in Buffy for a really long time and then he was a beloved character, so they gave him his own show. But yeah. they never made like just a specific episode of Buffy to Correct. set up – this character angel who maybe would then get his own show like Correct. in the following season. So same, they're slightly different. Same with like after friends ended, they did a Joey show all about Joey Tribbiani, but like 
they never did an episode of Friends where we suddenly meet all these new characters that Joey's going to interact with later. They just gave him his show. So the, this, the, the backdoor pilot is a very specific thing where we are literally kind of going away from our main cast and meeting this whole new group of people. And the intent is that they're going to wow us with this new storyline and these new characters. And we're going to all want to go along for the ride. Um, in the case of the chatterbox, uh, not so much. Uh, obviously, <laughs> obviously there was out. no, there was no, no show called the chatterbox that ever followed up from this. There was no, um, I don't think we ever see any of these characters again. Oh, and um, I'll say this. This is so just to center people. This is the episode where Fran befriends this young actress who is auditioning for one of Mr. Sheffield's new shows. She doesn't get the part, but so Fran goes, hey, I'm going to my hairdressers in Queens. I know they're hiring a shampoo girl. Come along and maybe you can get the job. And right. the hair salon is called the Chatterbox. And yes. we spend much of, much of this episode in the Chatterbox interacting yeah. with like the crazy cast of characters that come in and out of this hair salon. Yes, like 90% of the episode, honestly, is at the Chatterbox. It's really it's, – it's a perfect example of a backdoor pilot because they, they literally do the thing where it's like you see our characters for a little bit. Our characters sort of introduce this new world. And then our characters just leave. And I want to say this. I mean um, – Obviously, we love the show. We're pretty obsessed with the show. So I say this with love. This episode didn't work for me. No. Um, and I, honestly, the thing the thing is, the absolute best parts for me were just the parts where we got to be with Fran, <laughs> which which is a testament to how much the nanny works. Where because um, I rewatched it this morning and I was literally laughing out loud at like the Fran, um, mm-hmm. Niles, Cece stuff, and then was just kind of like, oh, wait, why are we back at this salon now? Like, uh, But we'll get into all of that. This has been a – yeah. we, we're doing a pretty long intro here just because this is such a, like, unique episode and not everybody – I mean, people who maybe have watched this episode might have just been kind of confused after Yeah, I feel it. like if we just flew into the description, it would be confusing in and of itself because all, all of a sudden we'd be like, so Mr. Anthony uh, talks to Kim and, <laughs> yeah, and I, Mary Ruth and you'd be like, what happened to – like Fran and Maxwell and CC. So, so this episode, okay, so we start off, everything seems relatively normal. Um, right. We're sitting around um, the breakfast table and it's established that Maggie is going to a friend's Sweet 16 and she's going to get her hair done that day. And Fran is going to take her to like her go-to salon in Queens with Mr. Anthony. And Mr. Anthony owns the Chatterbox. Yes. Now, Her- they say the name Mr. Anthony and they say the Chatterbox I would say at least 15 times in this episode. Like they say it a lot. They say the chatterbox, the chatterbox, the chatterbox. She's like, Mr. Anthony. And then you get to the chatterbox and they're like, Mr. Anthony, Mr. Anthony. So they're really trying really hard to like get it into the audience's head that like, this is a cool, important place that really means a lot to these characters. Even though we've never heard Fran mention the chatterbox Um, before. (laughs) Well, and then we also establish um, that Sylvia Fran's mom is kind of having, it's not really a midlife crisis. It's a late life crisis because Fran's on the phone with her at the breakfast table and she's like, ma, like you're too old to get a job. Stop with this crazy talk. So, you know, and so we established that uh, Sylvia is interested in getting a job, even though she has been a housewife her whole life. We also have a pretty vicious dig at Cece where uh, Niles serves her her (laughs) eggs. Cece's also the breakfast table. And she goes, Niles, my eggs are all dried up. And then Niles goes, the gene pool is saved. (laughs) Um, Which is like a mean thing to say to a middle-aged woman. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It is funny though. Um, Okay. So So then um, then, um, 
Yeah, Brighton gone. comes home and we get and, – and still the episodes, you know, you're like, okay, this is like a normal episode. Brighton comes in and there's all these like dancers in the house holding auditions with Mr. Sheffield and Brighton. It's after school. It's later that day they're yeah. coming home from school. And Brighton in like typical hornball Brighton fashion <laughs> is like, oh my god, he did the dance auditions without me? Like I'm so bad at him. Then a a woman – um walks in she's kind of she's dressed you know kind of like a hippie i would say or i don't know a little boho she doesn't look like any of these other women she's shorter you know she's cute but she's by no means this like buxom tall showgirl no. type no they and go she- out of their way even to make a joke where she's like you know what 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 are these ladies got that i don't got and then like four like giant chested women like walk out of the house past her. Like they're yes. all like tall blondes with like big boobs and they like like dance out of the house past her and she's like, oh, okay. Yeah. So it's and like she- they really set up like Mary Mary Ruth, that's her name. Yeah, Mary, Mary Ruth, Ruth. And she kind of you know. Yeah. Well, she comes in with this kind of like clumsy, kind of adorkable energy. She doesn't look like a Zoe Deschanel from New Girl, but like that's slightly her vibe. That's you know? what they're dude, I know I pull I pull, clock the same thing. They're definitely it was almost like 10 years too early for adorkable. Cause, mm, yeah. Because she doesn't she feels miscast and she feels out of place in this time, but like you're right. If she had shown up as a character on New Girl, you would have been like, "Oh, okay, yeah, sure." She's like another like weird, adorable girl, but here she yeah. just seems like a little naive. I think they even call her naive at one point. Like, it, yeah, you know, and, you and she you- she really plays up like the the wide eye, like the doe eyed actor kind of character. Yeah, and I mean to be fair, you know this. It wasn't even a real pilot. It was a backdoor pilot. So it kind of makes sense that maybe this character, who's clearly in their minds going to be potentially a big major character in a new show, she doesn't feel fully formed. You're kind of like, is she dumb? Is she smart? Is she – she's clearly very sweet, but like – is she, you know, there's a few things happening at once where you're like, I don't fully feel like I know this person, but she's, she's nice and she comes in and she's clearly very down on her luck. Like the first thing that happens is she runs into the uh, mansion and she goes, does any, can anybody break a 20? The cab driver says, he'll wait if I can. And then we hear the cab just like speed off. So he's clearly gone with her 20. And one thing that I actually really uh, enjoyed about this scene is, you know, Fran sees her and kind of like instantly has an affinity for her and kind of is like, kind of has like big sister, little sister vibe. And she's like, ah, like you seem down on your luck. Like, let me take a look at your resume. Like maybe I can give you some pointers from Mr. Sheffield. And she literally starts like schmoozing and doctoring the resume to, you know, lying on it for her to give this girl a better shot at getting the job. Um, and then, um, the, she basically comes out of her audition. Mary Ruth rather comes out of the audition, clearly didn't get it. Like CC literally laughs her out of the room. Yes. Yes. Like, she literally is like, ah, yeah. And she like kind of pushes her out of the room and uh, she's, yeah, she's very upset. And this was the point in the episode where I started going, oh, we're spending a lot of time with this random Mary Ruth lady. Like, why do we mm-hmm. care this much about her? And then Fran is sort of in the living room when she gets laughed out of her audition and she's very sad. She doesn't know where she's going to stay. She doesn't have any money. She reveals, actually, she goes, um, because Fran's like, who's your acting teacher anyway? Because it's, you know, you can tell that this girl's probably doesn't, she's not good at acting. Um, and she's like, oh, well, oh no, sorry. She goes, Fran goes, what are you paying this acting teacher anyway? And Mary Ruth goes, oh, well, nothing. Um, I actually was living with him, um, until he kicked me out because he, uh, 
he met a girl with Mora and then she looks down at her, where her boobs would be and she goes, talent. She goes, I have no money, no means of supporting myself and nowhere to stay, but I can't complain. And then Fran goes, you, you're not Jewish, are you? <laughs> when she says, I can't complain. <laughs> yeah. And, and they are, you know, they're trying to set Mary Ruth up as as like a, it, it makes sense, right? She's sort of Fran-esque. Fran is seeing a lot of herself in this woman who's like, bubbly and positive, but like got screwed over by a guy, you know, it's, it's, it's all very echoes of Fran sort of getting, you know, fired from her, you know, bridal shop. And which by the way, why not just do a spinoff about the bridal shop? Like we've only ever heard about this bridal shop in Flushing and we have Fran's like weird friends. And it's like, that seems to me like isn't that the spinoff? Isn't it like, oh, we're all going to the bridal shop and then we see all these weird characters there? It was so strange to me that they were like, we want to do a show about a about a hair salon. Well, but here's the thing. I was like, oh, actually, just on paper, a hair salon makes so much sense. Like it's it's where women congregate. So and and so many diverse random women congregate, and where you hear about everyone's personal lives, and it's sort of like, you know. It's a secret therapy place. So so it made sense to me that you're like, what a fun set piece or what a fun um, environment to create a pilot. So back to this episode, Fran takes pity on Mary Ruth and is like, well, hey, I'm actually heading out uh, to my favorite uh, salon in Queens. They're looking for a shampoo girl. Maybe they'll hire you. Like, come along. And Mary Ruth is is really grateful and really sweet. And so like that sets up everything else that happens in this episode. Weirdly enough, there has never been a TV series about a hair salon. There's I, been episodes. Knew, I knew you were recent. When you go quiet, I know you're Googling. Yeah. I, I was curious because I was like, it, you know, because you're not wrong. It does seem like the perfect sitcom setup where it's like, yeah, if we get like an anchor crew of like really funny people running this hair salon and then we just have their personal drama and then like different funny customers come in like that does seem like why wouldn't that be a tv show but oddly enough it's never happened there's never been a successful hair salon show no it's very successful play steel magnolia and movies but yeah so okay so now we shift and we get to the chatterbox and we show up at the chatterbox and we meet this guy, Claude, who's this British saucy uh, gay guy. Yeah. Um, you know, he's like very- the manager. He's <clears throat> like the manager who does all the scheduling and he does haircuts too, but he does a lot of like admin stuff for this place. Yeah. And he's maybe my favorite of the new characters that they introduce in this episode. I thought he was the... He was the only character that if if this show had gotten spun off, I feel like that actor would have been kept and they may have recast some people. So I, I agree. And while this role is very problematic today, and I don't think they should have a role like this now, Kim, I, the actress who played Kim did so much. Lauren, Lauren Tom, who you probably might recognize um, best as Amy from Futurama. She yeah, I actually yeah. – we're going to – I I basically profile her in trivia because I mm-hmm. thought she deserved a little TLC based on what they did to her in this episode. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, you know, it's sad that like, yes, they cast this like Asian woman to play this very hard Asian stereotype. It's like really bad. <laughs> like, But I'll say this. Her, it was a very, very over-the-top accent and she's like an American actress, but – her lines were very funny and they were – none of her lines were at the expense of 
like, oh, I am a Chinese person. Like, no. they, like so I will say that. It wasn't it, – it was just now we wouldn't do it. But, okay, we get to the chatterbox. Sylvia and Yetta, they're getting their hair done. And Anthony or Mr. Anthony, he's not what I expected. No. He, he's basically John Travolta from Welcome Back, Cotter. Yes. He's like – he's in these tight jeans and a tight shirt and he's like – thrust in his hips while he's, you know, poofing people's hair with hairspray and he's singing and he's like kind of gyrating. The ladies love him. Love him. Um, in fact, so first, Yetta t- tips him by putting cash d- down his pants. Then he like literally shimmies over to uh, Sylvia. Okay, Sylvia's like, Ma, it's my turn to tip. And then he's like, there's a room over here. Hey, ha, ho. And he like, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. goes over to her and she literally like puts it, I don't even think in his pocket. I think she puts it like right she puts the it down the front of his pants. She yeah. like slowly puts the tip in and he's like, hey, ba-ba-ba-ba-boo. Yeah, it's, it's- it is a spot on basically John Travolta 70s impression. And this was the first misstep for me. Is this yeah. guy's like he does a fine performance. Uh Patrick Cassidy is the actor. He does a fine performance here, but to me, it just doesn't it doesn't land. And like it didn't make me go like, man, I want to watch an entire show about this guy. So like th- this guy should be one of the zany casts of characters in a sitcom, not the Mr. Sheffield parallel. Like you're just like, I I do not see him being it wasn't a missed cast. It was a role that was, I think, just like poorly conceived for this world like we're not rooting like how are you how is he like the guy that you're rooting for anyone to get with when he's just like hey bada bing bada boom ha 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 like, yeah um I, well, you know, they, like, they yeah. kind of try towards the end of this episode to like soften that a little bit with all because you mm-hmm. meet like his son and stuff which which we'll get into in a second but but it just doesn't it doesn't work it never really lands the way he's introduced sort of sets him up a little too good so that then later when they're like oh let's peel back a layer and see that he's really like a softy. It's just like, meh, I don't buy it. And, you know. I was shocked that um, he was, at first I thought he was just going to be a funny side character. I was shocked that that was Mr. Anthony when they call him out. But so then, you know, Fran gets there with Maggie and Mary Ruth in tow and she, you know, brings Maggie over to Mr. Anthony. And he's, I was like, oh man, this is like last week's episode uh, with the uh, Billy Ray Cyrus teen kissing contest. Cause literally Mr. Anthony, he goes, Ooh, you're 16, you're beautiful in your mind. Why don't you slip into something more comfortable? And I'm like, oh my God. This yeah. is, I would call, I would drag my daughter out of this <laughs> door and call the police. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so that's happening. And, you know, Fran introduces Mary Ruth to Mr. Anthony, and he's literally like, uh, he, he looks at her resume and he goes, you know, I only hire the best. Ooh, super cuts, which is a joke because Fran had uh, actually added that to her resume before they went in. Um, but so he's like, all right, you're hired. And Mary Ruth is like so grateful. She literally like basically falls on her knees. And, um, and these are supposed to be the leads. And like there's no chemistry between them no. at all. Like they they try really hard, but like they just don't. He's like a little too greaser like guy. And she's like a little – too meek i think and it just kind of there you don't have that instant like fran and mr sheffield you have this instant chemistry between Mm -hmm. them when they show Mm -hmm. up on screen together and when these two share scenes you just don't it just it never quite gets there yeah it's almost more like brother sister actually yeah yeah Um, good point actually yeah um and this is this is why um screen tests where they do chemistry reads are genuinely very important yeah um but so uh, you know, that happens. And then we set up, though, that, 
that Sylvia wanted the shampoo girl job. And Fran is like, because she mentions it to Fran on her way out. She's like, I'm a shoe in for the shampoo girl job. And Fran's like, oh, wait. So that's how I heard about that. And um, at first, Fran tries to sneakily convince Sylvia that she doesn't even want a job. Um, but then it gets – then then Mary Ruth runs out and goes, Fran, I got this shampoo girl job. Thank you so much. And then Sylvia is, is like irate. She's um, like mad, yeah. Yeah, she's super mad because she's basically like, Fran, you cost me this job that I really wanted. So, so the next scene, we go back to the salon. Fran – is no longer there. Um, and it's just sort of like later in that day. I mean, I'm going to also mention this in favorite lines, but earlier in the episode, we also had been introduced to the manicurist, Kim. Yeah. She had this line where she does Sylvia's nails and then Sylvia stands up and looks at her nails and she goes, all right, uh, how long should I wait before I eat? And Kim looks her up and down and goes, about four years. <laughs> I was like, you know what, Kim? I think you're my new favorite character. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, everyone's a caricature. They all feel like – like that. that's why I think this doesn't land is no one feels like a real person in this salon. They all feel like caricatures of real people. Like even the – even Claude is like – more gay stereotype than like, than like just like a guy. You know what I mean? Like, you know, but it's interesting because you're kind of like, what is that magic? Like, what is the alchemy that the line between that working and that not working? Because when you think, if, if I just described the nanny pilot to you on paper, it could easily be that it's rich dude. Yeah. Um, you know, nervous, crazy little girl, meek teenage daughter, and you know, spunky boy, British butler, and then loud girl from Queens. There is a magic that happens when it works. Yeah. Um, and maybe it's just, you know, you. This is gonna. This is gonna sound so. Um, uh, my own bot when we're talking about TV, but there is a part of it's. It's basically like a symphony, and you have to like hit every right note and every note has to work together for it to become a finished piece that that works and this felt discordant it was like yeah. um lots of puzzle pieces fit in that just don't they, they're not larger than the sum it didn't end up being larger than the sum of its parts i think whereas the nanny just you know it it, it fit together. And I actually think that maybe a a cool way into this concept would have been what if you kind of did the role reversal of the nanny where maybe Mary Ruth was a really rich girl who yeah. had been down on her luck and now she has to be shampoo girl in this working class queen salon. Mm -hmm. um, maybe that would have been the like um, hook that we could kind of hang on to because that's the thing is there, there's no real hook. It's just cast of crazy people thrown together. Yeah, I mean, the hook, I think, you know, again, I think the hook was supposed to be, oh, it's like the nanny. She's like a down on our luck lady who got thrown out by her man. But, and that's, now, but that's high class, low class coming together, yeah. which is a high concept hook. Not low class, low class. <laughs> it's yeah, like I mean, ending yeah. up in a low class place. Yeah, it's just, it's just oh, a bunch of people kind of all in the same <sighs> boat thrown together and they're just all quirky. Yeah. Um, so, all right. So we cut, we cut away. Now all of our main characters have left, but we stay behind and we continue to follow uh, Mary Ruth. And we sort of, she's like sweeping up and we get like this weird sexual innuendo where 
Mr. Anthony comes in and he goes, how was your first day? And she goes, long, uh, hard. Uh, <laughs> and, and she's like guffawing because I guess it's supposed to be because he's like really hot, I guess. And yeah, she's yeah, like, yeah. Bub, 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 bub. Um, and then she's going to go home, but then she's like, I don't have anywhere to stay. And he offers her a place to stay in the back room. He's mm-hmm. like, you can stay back there. And what is the line? He's like, you can stay back there until my mom comes back. No, he's, he's like, I mean, you can stay there, but just to warn you, it's not really fit for, for a human. He's like, oh, but when my mom stays, you got to leave. Yeah. <laughs> um, implying that that's where he makes his mom stay. So we know now we established she has a job here. She also is going to be living there. Yeah. Um, and she's. <laughs> Which is hilarious. They are clearly like, if we do spin this show off, we're not building 50 sets. So she, yeah, lives, yeah, in yeah. The, she lives in the salon. Yeah. <laughs> and. And then uh, Mr. Anthony walks out, and then this kid runs in, a kid who you will probably recognize. You know, definitely recognize as the horrible child actor from Pish Upon a Star. Yes. But he's not that kid anymore. He has been recast yes. as a boy named Mimo. <laughs> <laughs> Why? <laughs> what is Mimo even short for? What could it possibly be I short don't know. for? Why Mimo? I kept um, writing in my notes. Why did they call him Mimo? <laughs> um, and he, you know, he's got his little backward cap on, his jeans. He's just, you know, a kid from Queens and he's clearly just been chased down the street by bullies. So he's, he has a scratch on his forehead and uh, he comes running in and Kim is like, oh, this is Mr. Anthony's son, Mimo. And uh, Mary Ruth's like, oh my gosh, Mimo, like you have, you have a cut on your forehead. And he goes, lady, I live in Queens and my dad owns a beauty parlor. It's pretty commonplace. So we establish that he has this teen son and while Mary Ruth is, you know, very kindly trying to help him with this cut on his forehead, she opens up a drawer looking for a Band-Aid, at which point – oh, and when she's about to open the drawer, Mimo's like, no, no, don't go in there. Don't go in there. And she finds there is a photo of a woman in there, and it turns out that it is Mimo's mother. Yeah, cracked. Uh, the, the glass is, like, all shattered yeah. in the frame. And she's like, who is this lady? And then we mm-hmm. – yeah, we learn, oh, that's Mimo's mom, and you can't bring it up to Mr. Anthony – He's very upset. They, there's yes. even a line about like, you know, when they broke up, he punched that that picture. And that's mm-hmm. why it's all shattered. He was so yes. – which, again, does not make Mr. Anthony like a likable character. You're like, oh, so he's got like weird anger issues. <laughs> he's like punching this picture of this lady. And, like, well, I guess he's, so he's kind of like a tough guy. He's a yeah. tough guy. Um, but so, yes, um, Kim kind of explains the backstory. You know, he was left – broke Mr. Anthony's heart and like you can't speak of this woman. And so Mary Ruth is instantly like, oh my gosh, like I I get it now. Like, you know, he, you know, that and this poor kid who just, you know, probably misses his mom and she's kind of putting all of this into context. Then we actually do have a brief scene back at the mansion because I would say like the B plot is the, you know, normal A plot. So uh back at the mansion, Sylvia's furious that Fran cost her the job. And she actually goes, I was betrayed by my own daughter. Now I know how Nancy Reagan felt. Um, I didn't know this uh, reference. So I looked it up and I found out that Patty Reagan, who was the Reagan's oldest daughter, went on record saying that her mom beat her as a kid and said that Nancy was often in like a total medication fog in her childhood. (laughs) Um, They actually did go on to reconcile years later, but they had a pretty rough relationship for quite a while. Not as rough as the most recent Nancy Reagan rumors that went around. Which ones? 
Oh, oh, oh. tell me off the, off the book. I'll tell you off. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you off. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, but, if you're curious, listener, just Google Nancy Reagan and you'll see what it, what went on a couple um, weeks ago. <laughs> but so um, and at this point, the, the front door swings open and Mr. Sheffield comes in dragging Maggie. And Mr. Sheffield is furious. Maggie is in a black wig. Bob, it's like, a, like a bob cut wig, like a right? a chic French girl. She looks French. like – she looks like – um, which I think tracks for the year that this came out, but she look her hair looks exactly like Uma Thurman on the poster to Pulp Fiction. Totally, totally. And Mr. Sheffield, this it made me she laugh. looks great, by the way. Well, well, I would say this. I thought this was this was definitely them reaching for some conflict in this episode because he's dragging Maggie and he goes, Miss Fine, how could you? And he goes, I was walking down the Park Avenue with my lawyer when he nudges me to look at the quote hot brunette and he's like how could you let her wear this wig and i'm like literally the point of a wig is you can just take it off like i would understand this level of anger if she had died and and dyed her hair hair. yeah me too when she first walked in that's what i thought the bit was and then he's like this wig and it's like well just take the just tell her to take the wig (laughs) off dude it's just it's a wig also why did they go to the hair salon just to get her a wig i I don't understand i and we're supposed to think Mr. Anthony is this like great haircut guy, like this great stylist. And then meanwhile, we like he sits her down and then he puts her in a wig. That's well, that's what he did. And I'll say this. So like wig and weave culture is not a big thing in white culture, white people salon culture. It no. is among other, you know, uh, yeah. races and ethnicity, which I would understand. But it's also usually more permanent. It entails a lot more work. This was literally just like. A party city wig that got yeah, they just thrown put a on, her on her head. Like they just put a, like a cute wig on her head. Yeah, and she was, looks, look, she looks great as a brunette, frankly. Um, as I, everyone does. But I went to a goth. Par- I have that exact wig now because I went to a goth party a few weeks ago where you had to dress up like a goth, and I mean it was transformative. I was a totally different person. I. I, everyone should get to wear wigs all the time. I agree. Um, I agree. But Sean, you're you are probably wearing your wigs right now, right? I am. I'm wearing two. <laughs> I always wear two. I put a bald cap on first and then I put a wig over it. In my head, I am envisioning you with a beehive wig. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I have a Sylvia-esque beehive hair. I would love to see that. Okay, but so uh, so my next note goes, I go back at the salon and the parentheses, why? (laughs) uh, My my next note is none of these actors have it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Mary Ruth is hanging out with – Kim, the manicurist, and yeah. Claude, the the sassy game British manager, and uh, the manicure reveals that she's married to a Jewish guy, and she goes, "They make good husbands. No drinking, no cheating, and every Sunday he in the mood for Chinese." <laughs> and I just go, "Oh, this poor actress. She's, she's really, really. She is selling it. She's giving it hundred and ten percent. She is making her lines so funny. Um, she has several of my favorite lines in this episode, but it's just you know, it's a big Asian stereotype role." And that's when we have like the big quote dramatic scene of yes. the episode um, where we're supposed to also really care about these characters. Yeah, this is where it's like this is this is like the mission statement it feels like of what the Chatterbox show would have been, which is like, yeah, they're all weird, but like this place has heart and the heart is is Mr. Anthony and his relationship to his son and Mary Ruth is going to – if this show spins off, she's going to sort of act as like the fulcrum between these two. And it seems like this is what the show would have been, right? Like the son would have had a thing happen. Maybe he mm-hmm. would have like 
wanted to do something to like prove that he's like manly because his dad runs a salon and he's always getting beat up and Mary Ruth would have to come in and sort of like, you know, broker peace between them. Like that, this is really, I got the sense, like this is yes. them going like, okay, here's what the heart of this TV show would be. But yes. it kind of never lands. Yeah. And I, uh, one thing that we kind of breezed over is or, or a little early in the episode, uh, Mr. Anthony had discovered that Mary Ruth had brought out this photo and he was basically like, stay out of my business, blah, blah, yeah. blah. So that it was established that, you know, there's a little tension between them. So then in this big dramatic scene, she basically confronts him and is like, you know what, Mr. Anthony, like you're running away from intimacy because mm-hmm. you're lonely. And, and, um, Mr. Anthony's literally like, nobody wants that picture around. At which point, uh, little Mimo comes out and he sadly goes, I do. Yeah. And it's very much like a aw moment. And he's like, you know, I just figured like, if she ever came back, at least I'd be able to recognize her now. Yeah. Which is sad. Um, it's sad. And, but it's you know, a little like, it's like too, it's like too much. It you know what I mean? It's the, like, it's like, oh, please, sir. I just want to have a little bit of porridge before Christmas. Well, this, this, um, whole emotional life of Mimo and the dad and even the way Mimo acts, it actually felt dated for the nineties. It felt like an eighties, very special episode, not a mid nineties. Yeah, it episode. felt like a different strokes episode. Like, yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And like, even the way the kid, you know, the way he's, he sells everything. Like, oh my God, there was this one scene where once Mimo uh, gets back from school and his dad comes in, they do this little song and dance together, which is, I think, supposed to instantly communicate how strong their bond is. I was cringing. It was like, cr- so It was so bad. I was so embarrassed for yeah, both of them. It was so bad. <laughs> um, but anyway, so, so we establish, you know, we established that um, Mimo wants this photo around and he actually kind of wishes that maybe his mom's memory was more a presence in their lives. And Mr. Anthony has learned a lesson and Mary Ruth has helped him learn that lesson. Um, and that's the end of that. That's um, kind of we, it. Yeah. <laughs> and we then have the last scene that's back. This last scene, we've got oh, some horny Mr. Uh, Sheffield dude, apps. That's my my note is I wrote last scene. Fran can't return the Maggie wig, so she wears it, and Mr. Sheffield gets horny because <laughs> that's the description of the scene. Oh it's, my god! Yeah, he's so so. Mr. Sheffield is like railing about like this wig and it's terrible and blah 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 blah, and they can't do it and like you know well, no, nobody he, looks good in this wig. Yeah, and then, well, because he sends he, Maggie comes down the stairs ready for the party and she's mm-hmm. totally back to her normal. And he's like, there's my little girl back. And he's like, now go to that party. And he's like, and trust me, no boy in his right mind would have liked anyone in that ridiculous wig anyway. And he like closes the door, turns around, just as Fran is descending the stairs in the wig. Yeah. And like a tight pleather outfit. Yeah. And like truly, I mean, Mr. Sheffield is, he's playing horny. Like that is the director's No, He literally goes, oh, Miss Fine. And he goes, ugh. What do you say we are taking some ice cream after all, or, or go get some ice cream after all? And she's like, "I thought you said you were tired." And he's like, huh, "What? Who said that? No, not me, not me." And <laughs> I'm like, literally, yeah. And he's like, I'll, "He's like, I'll hail us a cab." He goes, he goes, "Not me." And then Niles comes in and he goes, "Sir, I drew your bath and I put a sifter of brandy next to it." And then he's like, "What? Why do I want that? We're going out for ice cream." And then Niles goes, "Well." It would be a shame for the bath to go to waste. And he starts to unloosen his tie as if he's <laughs> yeah. going to go take the bath. Yes, yes. And then uh, Mr. Sheffield comes. Oh, and well, Fran's like, oh, 
She's like, I, she's like, now he's all about this wig after he made such a huff. I don't know whether to be flattered or offended. And then Mr. Sheffield comes back in from hailing a cab and he goes, and why don't we take it a movie? And then she's like, all right, flattered it is. So she's just happy to be on the gravy train of free stuff if the wig is going to get her like tickets to movies and ice cream. But I literally wrote, I just wrote, wow, is he just going to jerk it to Fran later? Yeah. Is that what their relationship has become? Yes. Yes. <laughs> he's going to go do a movie and have ice cream and then he's going to come home and he's going to like think about her in that way. Ooh. It's so weird. And I'm like, and she's just like, cool. they're just all cool with it. Like, and then yeah. that's it. And then that's the episode. That's it. It's over. And you're like, oh, okay. Alrighty. Okay. <laughs> right. uh, that's it. Um, uh, there's That's, not yeah. even a button. There's not even like a credits button. It just ends. It ends with them leaving to go get ice cream and Mr. Sheffield being like, va, 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 boom. Yeah, like literally if there could have been a, a sound effect for an erection, it would have gone off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. when she comes oh, down the stairs, oh, it would have been like, boing, 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 boing. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so should we move on to uh, segments? The, the quickest segments of the section we've ever done, yes. Oh, shit. Yeah, we've gone on a long time. Okay. Let's move on to segments. Okay. And now, segments. So, segments. Yeah, no, I think we should move on to segments. I to say, we can move on to our segments. And now, segments. Segments uh, with Sean and Toria. <laughs> so, All favorite right. lines. Uh I, I said a lot of mine, but I will say one that I forgot to mention is when um, Kim, the manicurist, is doing her nails, Mary Ruth is like, oh, you're so talented. And she's literally like, yes. And she like squints at one of her nails and she, she goes, this is my country. This is my sister. This is her husband. And that's the cat. Yeah. So she's like literally her whole bit is that she paints these like intricate, intricate portraits on each nail, which made me laugh. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I think I also said my line, like the gene pool is saved was probably the best singer of the episode. And then I also, I really liked, I really liked Niles being like, well, I shouldn't let the bath go to waste and undoing his tie. Cause just the, the idea I, I, I love when they, when they sort of establish that Niles just treats himself whenever Mr. Sheffield's away. I think that's so yeah. funny <laughs> that yeah. he just like enjoys like their rich life yes, whenever as, he can. As he should. As he should, as he should. Um, nanny trivia. I'm going to, I'll make it pretty quick, but I said, let's give Lauren Tom a little TLC since she is, she's incredibly deserving of some credit in, you know, that there weren't probably many roles for Asian actresses or Asian American actresses back then. And when they did get them, it was okay. Put on your big accent, even if you didn't have one. And she also, I think did wonders with this, uh, what could have been a one note role. Um, and she also has a really cool body of work independently of this. So she was born in Chicago. Um, she's the daughter of Nancy and Chan Tom. Um, and she has a brother named Chip. But so their her parents were actually born in Chicago. Their grandparents came from China. So she was born and raised in Chicago, grew up Catholic in a largely Jewish neighborhood. Yep. Um, she kind of got her start in her teens. She landed a spot with a touring company of a chorus line when she was just 17 in a Broadway production of the show. Um, she's won an Obie Award for her off-Broadway acting. Uh, she was cast in several Broadway shows with like bigger parts. And she's, you know, been in several movies. But again, as Sean mentioned earlier, you might know her voice at least best from Amy Wong in Futurama, but she also 
was the lead role in the in 1993's The Joy Luck Club, which was a very big movie. Yeah. She was also in When a Man Loves a Woman and North. And I loved yeah, North. Yeah, she was kid. in Bad Santa. I mean, she's worked consistently, like, forever. She was, like, she, she, she always works. And she's a great, great actress. She's an even better voice actress, which is what she sort of did later in her career. She shifted to, like... You know, she did she did Amy in Futurama. She also did all of Amy's parents, so like the the oh, Wongs. Wow. Um, she did Amy's mom, who's like a little closer to this character in this episode. Um, oh, you, you she know was what? on so many shows. She was well, she, probably her f- biggest role in a sitcom would be um, Julie on Friends, who was famously Ross's fiance. Right. That's right. Um, so so I people she did that too. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I only just made, I literally just made that connection just now while we were talking. Yeah. Um, and then in terms of Yiddish for the episode, um, there wasn't any Yiddish, so I just looked up the Yiddish term for backdoor pilot. <laughs> <laughs> what is so, that? No, there's not. Oh, okay. I'm just kidding. I'm um, kidding. There was the other, the other funny bit we didn't really point out is at one point in the salon, you hear someone scream from the back room, mm-hmm. and Mary Ruth <laughs> goes, Oh my god, what is that? And uh and uh, Kim goes. Kim goes. Oh, that's just someone getting a bikini wax. And then Yetta shuffles out from the back. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, she's keeping it tight. Um, <laughs> and then for the Fran or the Cece. Uh, uh, oh no, no no no! Oh wait wait sorry. I said for the Fran the Cece. I said actually for this episode, let's do the Claude or the Kim. Ooh, I love that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think. Oh, I. Think- I Go ahead. I love doing my nails. So just by pure literal, if we're just going to go literal, I'm the king. Kim. Yeah. I was going to say I'm the Claude because mm-hmm. I'm saucy. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. yeah we'd I'm be saucy. the Claude. That's who we would be cast as in this, yeah. in this role. In and this we episode. would have been equally as miscast as everyone in this episode. <laughs> so. uh, but anyway, so that was the episode. Again, you know, I, I don't – when when we're harsh or critical, it always comes from a place of love. Um, and yeah. I would hope that you know every, every all of the creatives involved probably also can see why you know this didn't why we felt this way. I should say. Listen, there are more failed backdoor pilots than successful ones, so I don't think that there's anything in this episode that's like they did it wrong. I, like it's a hard sell. It's a really hard sell sometimes, especially when you have a hit show and you're spending 30 minutes away from your hit characters. You know, you're asking a lot of the audience. You know, it is what it is. Uh, next week's episode is the season finale of of season two of the Nanny, and mm-hmm. uh, strong episode. Uh, yeah, what, what we'll talk about next. Yeah. So, as always, if you like this show, uh, please rate and review. You can do that on Apple Podcasts. You can do it on Spotify now. Um, I mean, you could just you know share the show on your social media and say, I really love this show. You guys should listen to it. Um, oh, yeah. If you, if you want to get in touch with us, you can reach us on uh, Twitter or Instagram at Mr. Chef. Oh, uh, Mr. Oh, Mr. Chef, Chef Pod. Pod with two Fs. Oh, Mr. Chef Pod. Um, we have about a 50% success rate of correctly naming our show's social media. <laughs> but yeah, oh, Mr. Chef Pod. Uh, and we love hearing from you. So so always reach out. We love mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. And right. uh, we'll be back next week with more The Nanny. Bye. Bye. The Flushing Girl from Flushing. The Nanny named Fran. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. Uh, uh, Miss Fine. <laughs>